Welcome back to another episode of the Uptime Punks. We got Andy Davis with us today, uh, another one of the top 10 DC influencers. How does it feel to have such a big title, Andy? I mean, it comes with a lot of weight. That's exactly what I was going to say, Paul. A lot of pressure. Um, uh, no, to be honest, when I found out, I was more shocked than, uh, than anything. But obviously, it's uh, hopefully it's uh, a recognition of um the sector as a whole rather than myself individually that you know there are people out there now trying to get this sector in front of as many people as we can and hopefully spread it to a few more people outside of the industry rather than just the you know our, our little network within the sector yeah well i mean paul i paul i have to say i am not surprised to see andy's name on the list um indeed andy is always humble uh, but his style is very innovative and always bring great news. So I'm personally very delighted that uh, Andy got the recognition he rightfully deserves. So congratulations, Andy. Thank you very much. So when you, when you look at the sector and we're speaking about the industry, um, what do you think in terms of like sustainability? What is sort of the trends? Do you see it's moving in the right direction or not really? Or do you think people are not fast enough? I think um, from my perspective, a lot of what I've heard over the probably the last 12 to 18 months is a lot of talk. I think we've um, we've discussed it. We've covered it. You know, a lot of the people on the podcast or people that I speak to within my day job have, have talked about what they're implementing with regards to sustainability. But I think it's, there's still a lot of work to do. I think the sector is fully focused on it. There's a lot of collaboration going on now, which, again, is is excellent that's what we need to do to solve the problems and i guess one of the main challenges was kind of breaking down what sustainability means it's one of those words the sector has these buzzwords that it throws out there all of the time and we all say it we all talk about it but but do we actually know what it means so i think what we'll see this year and we've started to see now is more kind of breaking down sustainability into multiple facets so what what can we what can we target now what can we deal with now and what do we need to implement for the long term, you know, like the long term is designing and building sustainable data centers would be would be a good start rather than these legacy buildings that we're trying to convert to sustainable facilities now. So, yeah, it's a it's a big word. It will continue to be a big word. And no doubt we'll talk more about it in 2023. Yeah. So, so basically you're saying is do it right from the beginning rather than trying to change something that's really working and it's not the way it should be. Right. I think that's what the sector's doing now. I say I think the challenge we have as an industry is that legacy facilities that you know we all know about, especially in the key markets where there's not a lot of room for development. We're trying to make these older buildings into more sustainable buildings, which is not as easy as we probably hope. And then obviously you've got the sustainability of the actual racks and kit within the data center rather than the building. So there's loads of different angles to it. And that's probably what I'm trying to say that it's up to each of us to kind of do our own little bit and then bring that together rather than have this broad term of we need to be more sustainable without any of us really knowing too much about what that actually means. Yeah. I mean, I mean Susanna always says, like when I met Susanna the first time, I'm bringing this quote up every single time. She said, if you want to see change, you have to be the change. <laughs> She's smiling. Um, but but that's, I, I think it's just like, yeah, the sector's going through through a movement of trying to adapt and change, but I don't know if they're fast enough, to be honest, because it's like, I mean, the technology exists already to do it properly, so why isn't it being done then like that already? What do you I think? think it's, I, it's, it's, 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was going to say, I think a lot of it comes back to priorities, doesn't it? And when you're, mm-hmm. you know, you're an operator and it's the sector does move too quickly, it's probably the, the answer to the question that there's too much going on that it doesn't have, sometimes doesn't have time to take stop and act, take stock and actually implement technology. You know, it's like, mm-hmm. oh yeah, we could implement that, but that's going to impact X and that's going to impact Y, which means our development will slow down or that customer will not be able to take that capacity when they want to. So there's no kind of like test environment in this sector. Everything is like build, go live, customer, you know, or build, customer, go live. And there's not always that time to actually implement the technology. I was talking, I had an interesting conversation last week with a fund that invests in technology and blockchain and, and that kind of, those developments and the impact that will have on the sector. And mm-hmm. I think there's a lot going on, like you say, and there's a lot of technology out there, but we need to get that technology into the data centers and then have a real live environment of a test and say, look, this is how it's impacted it. And then more people will probably do it. But right now there is that period of what do we do first? You know, we, we have, it's, it's mm. how quickly can we build continues to be the, you know, the main topic of conversation. And that doesn't always mean that you can build as efficiently and with the technology that you'd ideally like to. Maybe it's also the engineers who design, the data center designers who just need to put everything in from the beginning the right way, maybe. Well, yeah, That's a lot of, way of looking at it. That is one. I think a lot of it comes from the customer, though, doesn't it? A lot of it's driven by the customer. It's, you know, they, they have a, we all know that the data centers are built on a schedule that's, you know, amazing how quickly some of them go from kind of concept to, to live operation. And it's not always possible for, for an engineer or for a consultancy to implement everything they want to do. Their, their brief is what the, a lot of the time, what the customer wants. There's some amazing consultancies out there that do, do what you say and kind of provide solutions and adaptions and technology. And yeah. it's, it, most things are driven by the customer, aren't they? That's, that's how the sector works. And until that kind of changes, there's not really going to be that much change from an implementation perspective. Yes. I totally agree. And what what's interesting is, Andy, I like to learn from you. Um, I have definitely influenced a lot of build um, very recently, looking at it from a life cycle perspective, um, because not everything you thought is going to happen is going to, you're going to know it ahead of time in the design. So hence, you do need to kind of make the change as you go to pivot, to adapt. COVID is a good example, right? We all pivot and adapt fairly well and we actually came out to be okay but we never were the same in terms of the original design um what you know given you are such an important data center contributor to the industry and continue to kind of influence and guide us um what what do you see uh, some of the um some of the key trend that we should be expecting uh, going forward, given the lessons we actually have learned in terms of how like circularity or life cycle has now incorporated into the design and making the results. I think one, one, I had a conversation today with someone about AI and about the impact that AI is okay. going to have on the sector. And I think yes. a, lot of peop- a lot of people are now saying that 2023 will be the year where we actually see AI implemented for various reasons, you know, supply chain, the supply chain challenge is, is reaching a critical point where they just can't get what they need. Yep. So how do we yep. adapt? What technology can help solve that problem? Talent, obviously, it's harder and harder to find skilled engineers wherever you are in the world. And can AI help with that? And I think you'll see a lot of that brought into the whole the whole project process, to be honest, and the operational process. So 
like Paul was saying earlier, what, what technology is out there that does exist? Can we now implement to solve the challenges? And I think I, when I was speaking earlier, I said that um, innovation always comes from necessity. I think the real big changes come out of a need to do it. Like we've talked about this long enough, but now we have no choice. And sometimes yeah. that's what that's what you need. And like you said, Susanna, COVID is an excellent example of that, how, you know, everyone could have been talking on teams pre-COVID. We could have been having our client meetings on teams. We didn't have to fly to, you know, Virginia just to do a commissioning exercise. We could do it remotely. So, but necessity made that change happen. And now everyone's like, okay, that's, that's normal. And that's the right way to do it. And I think that's what you'll see in a lot of the processes and a lot of the, the things you've talked about. It will be innovative changes, but coming from just a simple necessity because then the customer has no choice. The customer can't, dictate on timescales if the developer or the, the operator is saying we simply can't get what we need quick enough for you to build it or we simply can't find the talent in that geography what do we do has to be something doesn't it yes indeed indeed well said that's a brilliant example thank you back to you paul yeah um, okay, so you, you think AI is going to change things, but AI has been around already since some time. I mean, Schneider has it since, what, five, six years already, AI implemented in certain things. Um, but I think the more interesting thing will be um, with AI, you can actually um, measure the, well, the carbon footprint of a building properly. I think this is where it gets actually more interesting because you can run all these algorithms through the data and everything, then you can actually see what's going on. Um, the, the conversation oh, yeah. I sorry the conversation oh, yeah. I had today was was literally about something very similar, and I always mm. find it really really ironic about the data center using the data to create innovation. You know, like we need the data, we can draw the data in through various different software pieces. We can draw that data in, mm. but what does that data mean, and how do we implement processes or technologies off the back of that data? And I think that's something that a lot of people say to me. You know, the sector's not great at. And if we can start bringing all that data in and ideally sharing that data as well, which is unlikely but possible, then more innovation will come. So, yeah, you, you mentioned Schneider, and obviously there's a number of organisations that are doing it. And ABB, yeah, a couple of people are doing it. I mean, it's it, you don't necessarily always need to reinvent the wheel, right? Because you could just look at other industries that they're solving the problems, if it's the car manufacturings or whoever it is, and you can just, like apply some concepts from there, I think. Um, what do you think, Cesar? Well, um, thank you for asking me. Um, actually, AI has been around from the very early beginning. Andy, I'm gonna date myself a little bit here. Um, before actually there's even a data center industry because we call it IT lab, right? So we have been actually using artificial intelligence many different regard, although my experience has been more limited to the scientific computing and subsequently call it the high performance computing. Um, and we were running it as an experiment in terms of voice recognition, in terms of pattern recognition, and also natural language processing. Um, that, those were the three clear application that we always have been using AI. And I have to say, this is like, you know, in the seventies, you know, so um, what is interesting to me, however, is the fact that um, with you know, moving things forward in, in this decade, um, the transportation electrification sector has really bring AI to the forefront because everybody becoming to not so shocked about 
the fact that you have a car next to you, they're all electric and no one is actually driving it. The person is just there more for a policy because a car actually is really uh, able to actually be autopiloted, auto park and parallel park the whole thing. And basically use, using algorithm to perform without error. So that's very impressive. Interesting enough, however, I have to say operation in data center are still fairly dynamic because each data center with all the one that we build looks similar on the outside like Snowflakes, but they are actually uniquely very different uh, for all the reasons you said, Andy, but also the dynamics on each of the site and the power condition, which is very challenging these days due to the weather change. Um, AI hasn't got there yet. So um, unless we focus on a few application in terms of how we actually provide a foundation for the software defined network. And we also bake in from in the design for the sustainability metrics in terms of measuring the source of the power, the type of the power, um, the GHG emissions, and also about the waste um, and the decarbonization strategy. I think AI has a ways to go. Um, I don't see that as a beginning of this decade, but hopefully it will actually help us to achieve the carbon neutrality. So that's my opinion and my practical experience in terms of operating, you know, just a few gigawatts of data center, um, not to say that this is representative of the industry, um, but it's still at the infancy, which is really exciting for innovation because you want to work at the infancy of the technology. So what, what, what are your observations, Andy? What do you think? That's, that's my, just uh, based on my limited experience in terms of working on uh, three and a half uh, gigawatt um, net zero data center. I think it, yeah, some great points, obviously. I think it, it, it does vary massively from company to company uh, and from mm -hmm. data center to data center. And like, I, you know, I interview some sort of innovation officers on, on, on the podcast and they're all working on different things and kind of working away behind the scenes on new technology that they're going to bring in, whether it's AI or, or something else. And I think one of the challenges, I guess, a lot of the, um, a lot of that innovation is behind the scenes. So we don't always know what's coming or what's working until it's more operational. So I guess the I guess all we can do really is watch this space and see what does come through um, and what changes yeah. is brought to the horizon. And I'm sure there's a lot going on that that we don't know about and that that people will share with us when they can. But I'm just hopeful that, like you said, and you know, like Paul touched on, that the technology does come in and starts to shape the shape the sector. Yeah, indeed. Oh, actually, there there is one point, Paul. I do like to mention. It came up at the evening function last night because I'm at the um, PTC uh, conference right now. And many of us have very enthusiastically kind of got together as soon as we actually landed uh, outside the conference uh, venue. Uh, we start actually talking about creating algorithms in terms of reducing waste. And at the same time, how we can eliminate um, GHG. So I was with uh, an inventor who is really passionate about getting rid of, uh, uh, getting rid of, um, just like me, but also not just get rid of GHG, but figure a way how we can actually reuse it. So he's been focusing on scope three in terms of the material. And I've been actually focusing on reusing CO2 as a thermal carrier to basically reuse the heat waste of all the data center, which we all know is basically a heat source, right? So um, 
that's exactly where the area where I think, Paul, AI will come in and we can actually do those uh, projects now to make a difference. So in that way, we can achieve the decarbonization metrics, but also think about it from a reuse perspective rather than, hey, let's just bury it in the ground uh, because we don't want it to be expelled in the air. Uh, and that will then show the, a good ESG reporting for the big scale data center. And uh, that, was, that, that, that was a very nice conversation to most of us talk through the evening. And then of course, you know, many of them are drinking, so they're probably gonna be up till midnight anyway, but it was, it was a very engaging conversation. So I think that may be an area that uh, we'll, we'll see more of it uh, going forward. Hopefully Paul and Andy, both of you will, um, will cover it uh, and watch for that. Yeah. It's quite interesting. Um, Andy, let me ask you as well, um, what other shortcomings do you see in industry where they need to try to catch up in 23? The obvious one from my perspective will always be talent, mm. you know, and, and staffing. It's, it's what I do as my day job and it's a huge mm. challenge. It's a huge challenge within the sector and it continues to be, to, to be so. And as we move into new territories, it becomes a different type of challenge with regards to like having access to talent in that area, not just specifically the amount of talent in the usual region. So it's, it's still high on everyone's list that I speak to, um, probably partly because that's what I do for a job. But it, um, it's, a key pro it's a key problem for the customers, for the operators, for the builders, for the designers, you know, at all levels of the, of, of the sector, of the life cycle. How do you find the right talent? You know, how do we attract them? How do, like I always say, how do we make this sector a sector people to choose to work in rather than a sector that people fall into and make excuses for why they work in the data centre sector? You know, we want, we need to make it so that people want to be here and they know it's here. So yeah, talent is a, is a big one. And obviously the others are, fairly standard around you know power in the key markets and there is no power so mm. what, do we do, what do we do about it land where's the land i was saying uh, a lot of the as the other sectors potentially get you know hit by a recession and probably harder than we do you know what how can we look to that land bank you know are there distribution sites or retail sites or commercial sites that we can start to reconfigure or repurpose or develop the land for data centers so that's another conversation that's happening quite a lot at the moment but it's not really anything new this year so far it's pretty much the same challenges geopolitical economical everything that, that goes with it and again i said earlier today that hopefully this year we don't get another one thrown in the mix because it seems to be every year there's a new uh, a new major challenge for us to adapt to but we do it we get through it um just just out of curiosity when you speak about the talent do you think it's it's because it's like not an industry that's well known for to be working in, or do you think it's like when somebody graduates from university, the last thing they're going to think about is working in the data center? Uh, why do you think there's such a lack of talent? I think at entry level, so at the graduate apprenticeship or at the hundred percent, it's a, it's a knowledge piece and exposure piece. They don't know it exists all the time. Um, you know, there. Mm -hmm. If you're going into real estate, for example, maybe one module on your degree will be to do with technology real estate everything's commercial assets you know retail so it's a, it's a knowledge piece and just us as a sector not being loud enough and not talking enough about we're here and these are the opportunities within it that's the 
the main challenge at entry level. It's much better than it was as well. There's a lot of great programs going on now, a lot of collaboration, and some companies are doing amazing work around it. But we can all we can definitely all do more. And from a you know more experienced piece, it's um, engineering is a global shortage. IT is a global shortage. Construction is a global shortage, and they're the three components of our sector. So it's a challenge that everyone faces in those markets. It's more about the sector being open to people from other industries, making the sector a bit more attractive, removing the acronyms, you know, make it so that everyone understands what we do. And to say, shout a bit louder, create some role models of people that have done, done well in the sector from other industries. And that all of that put together helps attract people. Um, but the main point is, we, we historically and still as an industry do look for people with experience in the data center sector and that's already hindering your your target pool quite significantly and it's much better than it was again but the more we do the more people will come into it and that'll help our, that'll help us grow yeah and um for me i actually agree with andy and I'm very excited you explained the way that you actually did very eloquently. Um, so Paul, I hope to use your platform to actually promote some of the key things I'm actually very committed uh, in is to rise up the more women into the sector and actually start much earlier than just university. Uh, many of them actually, believe it or not, actually start at very young age and uh, the late single digit. What we like to do is actually start expanding the mind to realize that, hey, you spend so much time on your phone, you spend so much time on your app, and you spend so much time on your social media. Um, let's expand the mind for them to genuinely understand about how they would actually like to make the application work the way that they want it to work. So that can be a future application designer or an architect or just a, a different way of thinking to bringing in the artistic, the creativity part versus the traditional STEM from an engineering perspective of solving a problem. Similar to what you said earlier, Andy, innovation is at the tip, but it's, we have to solve it because there's a need for it. So we like to actually bring in the younger people because we all admit it, as we all get older, our curiosity has actually dampened somehow. We just tame ourselves with our ambition and we're not as curious and um, bright-minded and just fearless in the way we think. And we need to kind of bring that in. And that happened um, from statistically speaking in our early stage in our career versus working 20, 30 years in the same job. And then the other part that I look at talent is actually similar to it because I'm in a data center industry, is resilient. I've been at it for 30 years and I'm still feeling excited about it. So how can you actually be doing something in the sector for over three decades, but every one of them, I still get very excited in the morning because I still meet people like Andy and I still talk to you, Paul, many times. Actually, we talked late last night, right? My time. So I talk to you last before I go to sleep and I talk to you first before I get up in the morning and the conversation is just completely different and it's still very exciting. So we need to kind of maintain that interest and the curiosity um, because data center indeed is actually a very, very exciting sector more than just handling and maintaining a bunch of computer or building construction. 
Um, and then we want to expand it beyond the um, developing country. We want to actually have it in the develop, uh, not the developed country, but also have it have the talent be accessible uh, to the developing country, which is supposedly what the internet is about to actually make that access equal for all. And there's definitely room for improvement. So I actually like to make an offer for both of you to collaborate with me to help me. Um, for most of the data center event that we have attended, including a few of them that, Paul, you were running it very successfully for your career. Just, you're just amazing about the contribution you made. Um, there's also other data center events, uh, such as in Monaco, such as in Singapore or New York, um, Austin and uh, Virginia. Um, I'm actually the data center advisor to many of this platform now. Um, there will be a LinkedIn post that come out about some of the work that I'm actually collaborating with Hyperscaler. We are offering um, networking opportunity and also expense pay for these young people to be attending this event so they can meet Andy and be able to genuinely spend some one-on-one -on -one time with you. Um, we like to do that and we're looking for, you know, not just a few students. Um, we're actually looking for double digit to have a very orchestrated way that they can attend this event for free, expense paid for, have a time to really immerse themselves and listening to the keynote and spending one on one time with panel speaker and whatnot. And hopefully they will then bring back some of their own ideas and then make a commitment that that is a sector they want to get involved with. And we also are offering, collaborating with the interns, uh, with the hyperscaler, uh, pretty much a guaranteed intern job. So we think we actually are putting together a package really exciting. So stay tuned. I'd love to use your platform to announce it, Paul. And then maybe Andy, you can blog about it. I think that would be, that would be amazing, given the followers that both of you have. Yeah, be so, delighted. So to. please help us. <laughs> Yeah, definitely, Susanna. It would be nice to do that. All yes. right. <laughs> um, Andy, do you have any last great words? No, one thing I was just thinking... Yeah, no pressure. One thing I was thinking of when, when we were talking, though, is also, like, I always talk about uh, attraction, but retention is really important as well, like keeping mm. the good people in the sector, and it doesn't always come up in these conversations because we all start talking about attracting new people, but keeping the good ones we've got is really important. You know, don't work them too hard. Give them opportunity keep it innovative keep them interested like Susanna does over three decades you know keep the sector going as it is and we'll, we'll retain people so no that's uh, that can be my final point because it's quite an important one okay amazing thank you Andy thank you Susanna and see you thank soon. you Paul thank, thank you. you good to speak